Hey, what's happening? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to Quinn David Furness Presents, the Beantown Podcast, or the People's Podcast, as it is generously known around here. One of Baltimore City's top 500 podcasts. How is everyone doing? What's going on? What's happening? January 20th, 2019, already two-thirds of the way through January, and I tell you what, that's totally fine with me. I don't know about other people. January and February to me are two months that are just like no no one's happy about this. And it's not necessarily like the 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 seasonal affective disorder or sad as I like to call it. They like to shorten things more efficient coefficients. Big math fan. But it it's not even like oh the days are short. It's dark, I'm feeling depressed, there's nothing going on. It's just, there's nothing going on, you know? What, January, what what do we got? You start off with a big party, and then you got nothing for like four and a half weeks, 31 days too, they really stretch it out. It's just cold temperatures, no one's really doing anything. When people are doing things, I'm not invited. I'm not drinking in January. Been doing that a couple of years now. In fact, the first 19 years of my life, I didn't drink in January. And then the next couple of years, I partook in the last couple of years I've been off. So most Januaries in my lifetime, I haven't had alcohol. So that's that's a pretty positive thing. But I don't know about you. It's just I feel like I don't really have anything to look forward to in January and in February. Uh it's just kind of bland. There's not a lot of color outside. There's just, I don't know. All I do is read applications. And occasionally you get a funny uh, note or something interesting that happens. For instance, I was reading an application the other day, and I was reading this teacher recommendation. And it's this female applicant, and the teacher is female. And I looked up the teacher and she's married and she has kids, so I don't think there's anything going on here. But in the letter, it says, X student is very attractive and she doesn't even know it. Dot, dot, dot. That's three dots. And I don't know. That just seems like a really weird thing to write in a student's letter of recommendation. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to uh, report that or call someone or. FBI watch list, I'm not sure, but for those teachers out there listening to the Beantown podcast, you don't need to hit on the students' attractiveness or hit on the students. Uh, It's just not necessarily best practice, so a little uh, advice for your life. Maybe I'm the next John Tesh. We'll see. Uh, This is the Beantown podcast. Listener discretion is advised. When you are imbibing in this delicacy of a show, number one, uh, we will occasionally drop some language here and there on the podcast. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible. Consider yourself forewarned. What's happening? January 20th. Uh, Yeah, 
pretty quiet over here. Thank you to friend of the podcast, Edward Kai, for coming on last week to share his thoughts on the best tacos in Tucson. Uh, He helped us solve a math problem. So for any of you studying for the GRE out there, I know uh, when my friend Haley, who's also a friend of the podcast, she came on back during the fall tour. You can check that out. But back in the spring, she was studying for the GRE. She had some math questions, and you know, we came on the podcast live, and uh, we we attempted them. We never really got to a final answer, but we we did our best. But um, we, we, you know, we Edward came on. We did math problems, uh, Tucson, love, life clubbing uh edward told his worst night in college story so you can go check out all of that stuff on our episode from last week but this week we are going to the movies and um, we are still planning on having a oscar prediction predictacular uh Last year we did that with dear friend of the podcast, Ryan Austin Ligon. I think it would be nice to get him back on the podcast to do some Oscar predictions. Uh, we got to talk to him. Haven't talked to our friend Ryan Austin Ligon or Kristen English in a while. Um, so we will be uh, reaching out to them soon. Just been busy. Every Literally, I sit down at work probably like twice a week and I think, you know what? I haven't talked to Ryan Ligon the YouTube channel, Reek Entertainment, go check it out. It's been fairly quiet lately. Not dormant, but fairly quiet. I'm not sure what's going on with those guys, so we should check back in with them. We'll try and get them on. Uh, but Oscars nominations are coming out on Tuesday morning, so I'm very excited to see that. This year uh, is much less clear-cut in a lot of uh, big categories, especially in years past there. I've been, uh, even before the nominations come out, clear front front runners. Uh, the you know pool of five nominees for the major awards has been you know it's not always solidified but pretty you know everyone kind of knows what it's going to be this year it's all it's a little all over the place particularly best picture um you know they do nine films now which is a ton but there are you know there are a couple that are kind of uh go-tos and uh otherwise you know It's going to be interesting. So uh, we're going to get to that. My favorite movies of the year, not um, certainly not a best of list um, because I'm not qualified to make that. But my favorite movies from 2018. Uh, Before we do that, we have two different things to hit on. This podcast could get long, so I apologize. But um, number one, we are going to talk uh, donor tears. And then number two, we have a response from Mr. Rock. Chris, maybe Chris Rock. Maybe. I reached out to uh, Mr. Chris Rock's agent. Haven't got confirmation that I'm dealing with Chris Rock and these emails from Mr. Rock, Chris. But I don't know. Maybe in his community they flip the names. We'll see. Uh, But first, let's talk about something very near and dear to my heart. The Pledge Drive fundraiser is going to be coming up next month in February uh, last week, we just kind of did a one like half hour period live streaming on YouTube where we were um, hosting phone calls, all that stuff, Pledge Drive, PBS style. It was a lot of fun. We raised the money that we needed to hit our goals for 2018. So we're back. We're making it bigger. 
better than ever. We're going to have live performances. We're going to be doing stand-up, uh, and it's all for a good cause. Beantown Podcast, there's going to be special uh, events, periods where I'm matching donations, all that stuff, periods where for every listen uh, we get on an episode, we're going to be donating money uh, triple time, uh, one, two, charity and one to the beantown podcast and then one your donations that's three different donations all being matched that's really exciting uh so let's talk about donor tiers here first and as just a reminder uh 2019 pledge drive our goal is to raise 235 dollars and i'll tell you exactly where we need that money we need 120 to run uh our hosting platform soundcloud is where we are hosted. Thank you to our friends there at SoundCloud for hosting us um, in order to have unlimited content, infinite content, as our friends Arcade Fire would say. Uh, we need to be able to raise $120. That's for the whole year. It's a one-time hit, and then we're good to go, 125 And then we're looking for 115 to start and build a website, BeantownPodcast.com. Uh, Username is still free at this point, and we're looking to get that solidified. So that's $235 that we're looking to raise. Uh, Again, that'll be starting in February. Thank you to those of you, and we already have multiple donations that have come through. Really exciting. Uh, But this year, something special, something new that we are introducing uh, as incentives to get the word out, share it with your friends, because we got some special things going on here. So introducing for the first time ever... The Beantown Podcast Donor Tiers. And I want to put this out there right now. This applies during the Pledge Drive fundraiser in February, but this is also any time if you stumble across the Beantown Podcast and you think, wow, I really like this. I need more content like this in my life. Quinn, you are the Internet's leading source in misinformation. Gotta have me into your life, as the Beatles sang. Uh, here are different tiers. So for five dollars, and this is this isn't monthly. This is a one-time hit. You know, your paycheck maybe it's three hundred thousand dollars. You can afford five dollars out of it to support community, small business, the arts, and innovation. So for five dollars, you can become a friend of the podcast. And what you get with that donation is a personalized email thank you from Beantown Podcast at Yahoo.com. Again, that's Beantown, B-E-A-N-T-U-W-N Podcast at Yahoo.com. Maybe even sharing your email with Mr. Rock, Chris. I, uh, I think about that more. That's for $5, friend of the podcast, personalized email thank you from Beantown Podcast at Yahoo.com. For $10, up in the ante a little bit. Speaking of Annie, um, when we were young, my siblings and I, we would wake up, I don't know, this was like a once-a-week spiel, and we would all huddle in my oldest brother's bedroom, which was like the cool place to be because it was in the bedroom, or in the basement, excuse me, and the basement of our house completely finished, but there were two bedrooms down there, and one of them we converted into our like school room because we were homeschooled, so the other bedroom was the only bedroom in the basement and that's where the computer was and there was no bathroom down there and just like the actual larger room called it the family room with a tv um and games and such and so that was just like the place to be was the basement so once a week or around there we would wake up uh my my 
two other siblings and I would go down to my fourth sibling, a uh, friend of the podcast, Walter, uh, go down to his bedroom and we would play poker with pennies. And I don't, maybe a uh, brother's sister can chime in on the comment section, but maybe you can uh, refresh my memory of where we got all those pennies from. I don't remember, but we would bet with pennies and we would also bet with these little uh, chips. They were called like pogs or something. I don't really know what that means. Not porgs from Star Wars The Last Jedi. Pogs, P-O-G-S, I believe, is what they were called. And they had like different images on them. And I think we had like buffalo nickels. I don't remember, but we would long story short, play poker, Texas Hold'em, I believe, or no, we didn't play Texas Hold'em, we played like five-card draw, mostly, Um, really thrilling stuff, right, guys, and we didn't really know the word um, Annie up or Annie uh, very well, and so we thought it was French and pronounced it Ante. All right, who still has the Ante in the pot? You kind of get the picture. Bunch of uh, eight through like twelve year olds playing poker in the basement like six a.m. on school days, but we were homeschooled, so it was awesome in the cold basement. Imagine if that uh, that song uh, by MOP was instead of Annie up, it was Ante up. Ante up. Jam jam jam. Ante up. Kidnap that fool. Hit him. Hit him. Hit him. Get him. Get him. Get him. Smash so I'm a true player hater, street regulator, make coals in the hater, I take control of the streets, think blows in the streets, things that we need, money, smoke, sweets, essentials, credentials, dehydentials, credentials. Um, down, down, down. So, long story short, for $10, you can become a podcaster's best friend, and with that, you get a shout-out on the podcast that's right a personalized thank you from the host the voice of quinn david furnace saying thank you six-pack joe thank you school teacher sally thank you to our local congresswoman uh for supporting the podcast and supporting the arts really appreciate that so ten dollars podcaster's best friend a shout out on the podcast live uh, for $20. We're going to ante up the ante again, and we're getting into some serious uh, donor tier ranges here. So for $20, you can become a gold level member. Uh, 10 out of 10, Caitlin Ohashi. A quick word on that. She's kind of hot. Improvised song live on the podcast about you. If you really want to support music, the arts, small business, and your local community, and it would be a community garden, except my ex killed my plant while I was uh, on a work trip. Shout out. Um, But for $20, a gold level member, personalized, improvised synergistic song live on the podcast about you we got a guitar i can do a lot of different styles i can do some michael mcdonald stuff and listen to a lot of arcade fire so we can go dance pop uh i can go old school country hank williams five minutes ago we just learned that i can do some freestyle rapping so you name the style and we'll make it happen for you twenty dollars 
gold level member gold yeah gold level member improvised song live on the podcast about you thirty dollars got two tiers left thirty dollars i'm good so we named this one because i was at starbucks uh last night reading my book porno by irvine welsh drinking my grande latte my ariana grande frappuccino 360 etc i've got a bit about Starbucks and it's kind of all inclusive from the time you walk in to the time you walk out. It's like five or six minutes long. I haven't debuted it on the podcast yet, uh, but it's it's. I think I've done some of it. Like I've done the ordering, how it's like the snap count in football. But there are a lot of other pieces there. Um, for instance, just the the sheer type of or different types of drinks that you can get there. And the, you go to Starbucks, I guess I'm getting in my bit a little bit here, but um, you go to Starbucks and the menu has like five things on it. But I'm sitting there reading my book and I'm listening as people are ordering. And this lady orders, I swear to God, it was like a praline mochaccino or something like that. Praline, like, I think pe- people know what praline is, but like, how often does that even come up in your daily life? When's the last time you heard somebody even say the word praline? Like, are you are you kidding me? And we're ordering this at Starbucks, and they even have that? That's crazy. Um, but for thirty dollars, you can become a praline Sunday member because who wouldn't want a praline Sunday? Honestly, that sounds pretty damn tasty. Uh, here's what you get for $30, an autographed picture of Quinn David Furness. How about that? I'll take the picture. I'll sign it. I'll get it developed at the photo place, although I don't even know if I have one near me. That could be a problem. Uh, I'll do the stamps. I'll do the envelopes. I'll mail it off to you, and uh, and that'll be that. Uh, but that's $30, praline Sunday member. Um, $50. Oh boy, here we go. The highest level we have for $50, you can become a Topaz Elite member. And frankly, I just like saying Topaz. 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 Live interview on the podcast to discuss a topic of your choosing. And it, it's no holds barred. It could be raunchy. It could be controversial. It could be a little sexy. Whatever you want. $50 Topaz Elite member, live interview on the podcast to discuss a topic of your choosing. Um, and one other thing I want to say about these donor levels is if you, when you donate, you get the incentive attached to your specific donor tier that you hit with your donation, but you also get to pick one other thing from any donor tier below that you could have as well. So for instance, if you're a $50 Topaz elite member, you have four other donor tier incentives that you get to choose from. Uh, If you are a $10 podcaster's best friend donor, you could also have the $5 donor incentive gift as well if you so choose so let's run through those again real quick and then i'm going to move on to movies here uh actually i got a letter from mr rock chris uh 
number f- or, uh, so first tier five dollars friend of the podcast that's a personalized email thank you from beantown podcast yahoo.com ten dollars podcaster's best friend that's a shout out on the podcast live episode you get the picture twenty dollars gold level member although maybe i should rename it the caitlin ohashi member uh improvised song live on the podcast about you any style you want thirty dollars praline sunday member that's an autographed picture of quinn david Furness, signed sealed delivered i'm yours literally and fifty dollars that's a topaz elite member live interview on the podcast to discuss a topic of your choosing so those are the tiers we're working with um i take checks I uh, take PayPal. Uh, Venmo is the easiest way. I'm at Quinn-Furnace. And February is going to be Pledge Drive Month. uh, And so we're getting closer to that. But let's move on here. We'll have plenty more episodes to talk about that stuff. 20 minutes in already. Woof. Okay. So we talked about this on the podcast last week. Which was our first live episode of 2019. But got an email from a Mr. Rock Chris who again we're not sure exactly if uh he is Chris Rock if he's kind of going under like a pseudonym a fake name etc but um we thought it was pretty cool so uh, I'm not going to read the original message but I do want to uh, read my reply to him. So basically, it was a you know, pretty standard Nigerian prince came into a large sum of money type of email. So he wanted my information. So here's what I replied. Hi, Rock. Great to hear from you. It has been a long and dreary winter here in America, and I could sure use a pick-me-up. I have the information you requested, but first I must ensure you that I am deadly serious when I emphasize the importance of you providing me all this detailed information. Before we can proceed, it is imperative that you give me your information as soon as possible. And then all caps, fill this form bellow, which was a reference to his original email, please, and resend it to me. So I asked for your name, your occupation, your favorite stand-up comedian, your bank routing number, the name of your bank, and who won Super Bowl MVP and Super Bowl 42? And very important questions. Warm regards, Mr. Quinn David Furness, host, Best Boy of the Beantown Podcast. So, so um, we get an email already four days ago at 4.11 a.m. in the morning. So you know he means business. But that's like 4 p.m. in Burkina Faso where he's from. Uh, so maybe it's just normal business. But I actually haven't read this. And I didn't even think about this whole email chain until I literally started the episode. I was typing in email credentials to read this for the first time right now, like five minutes ago. So let's read it. Um, For the first time, reply from Mr. Rock Chris. So he gets right into it. Not even a dear Quinn. He says, my age, 56, my occupation, banker, my favorite stand-up comedian, blank. Oh, boy. Three questions in, Mr. Rock Chris not answering the questions this is going to be a problem and we'll we'll send a response and i'll read it next week um but it it, i'm not going to be able to wire him the money because he's not answering all the questions so let's continue it's a very long um email uh your bank routing number it's just a random string of like 10 digits the name of your bank bank of america bank of oh bank of africa B-O-A, Bank of Africa. Okay, so in America, when we say B-O-A, Bank of America, because we're American, but uh, here we go. Dear friend, 
I really thank you for your sincere response to the mail which I sent to you concerning the, to this fun transaction. Not a great writer. Kind of got my admissions cap on like I'm reading a Common App essay. First thing I know, it's not a great writer, and he's not answering my questions. So two strikes, you're out. Uh, to this fun transaction, which belongs to one of our foreign deceased esteemed customer late, Mr. Poole, P-O-U-L, what is that? Lewis Haley. I am the director auditing department of our bank here and i can assure you that there will be no danger or problem concerning to this transaction as far as you are going to follow all of my instructions and advice then this transaction will be 100 percent free from any risky (laughs) any risky okay uh because after the first quarter of our auditing this year i found out that the rightful owner of this fund of 10.5 million united states dollars which is lying in a dormant account here in the bank for over eight years is dead i hate when that happens um, please follow this site below. It's a link to something, uh, probably open on my work computer, frankly. Uh, the bank had made several attempts to get any of his supposed beneficiary next of kin to him, but to no avail. Later, I was employed to head the auditing department, so the bank board of directors has mandated me to look for the bona fide next of kin to the fund with the maximum time limit or the money will be totally confiscated and returned back to the government treasury as an unclaimed fund. Well, we can't have that. This <sighs> email's long. With this very reason, I decided to contact you so that I can give you all the directives and vital informations with an apostrophe on how you will stand to claim the fund as the bona fide next of kin to the deceased customer for the benefits of you and me. Well, that's very generous of you, Rock. From this moment, what I would like you to do is stand firm and apply to the bank as the next of kin to the deceased customer for the subsequent release and transfer of the fund to your own personal bank account, which you will provide to the bank while I will be giving you all the guidelines on how you should achieve our objectives for the betterment betterment of both of us. I like what you're saying, Rock. Number one, uh, he oh, here we go. Number one, that you will not seat on the money when it is transferred into your account. What does that even mean? What else would I do with it? Number two, that you accept that we are going to work on this project with one mind, hence total trust and loyalty to this project must be guaranteed. With one mind, total trust and loyalty, project guaranteed. Number three, that you must not let anybody to know about this transaction. Those all have question marks after them. You seem to be questioning your own abilities, Mr. Rock, but here we go. We're almost done. This is a mouthful. Uh, Here is my proposal. 45% of the money goes to you. 10% for the expenses will join handle together and do the expenses. I'm going to repeat that because it doesn't make any sense. 10% for the expenses will join handle together and do the expenses. If anybody out there understood that, send us an email. Let us know. 45% for me. Uh, Mr. Rock, Chris, this isn't a two-way street here. This is my money. This Burkino Fasin Prince left me this money. I don't know why you think you're getting a cut. Plus, if you are really Chris Rock, I don't think you need the money. Uh, Finishing up here, then I will inform you on how to start off immediately in order to facilitate you in the letter you will write to the bank informing the bank of your intention to have the said sum transferred into your account as his next of kin, including the full bank address. Regards, Mr. Rock Chris, and he lists his phone number. So let's give it a call, see what we get here. It's definitely not an American phone number. 
Let's see what we got. Speaker. Verizon Wireless. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. Announcement for Welcome to Verizon. Well, Mr. Rock Chris, not particularly helpful there, um, considering that's not a real phone number. So I have questions. Uh, let's move ahead here. I will reply to that at a later date, and we will revisit it next week on the podcast. But frankly, didn't say his favorite comedian, wants to split the money 50-50 or 45-45 because then 10% is for expenses for both of us, which we still don't quite understand what that means. But let's uh, let, let's let's keep going here. Uh, let's hear from our advertisers here. Home Pride, Oregon. Are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth, all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? Well, Oregon listeners, there's good news. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider with inspection services including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified. So you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate stranglehold on the home inspection market and you want a safe, certified home inspector you can trust, call Steve at 541-207-1101 or visit HomePrideOregon.com. That's 541-207-1101 or visit HomePrideOregon.com. Home Pride Oregon. Inspection perfection. And give a shout out to the Samson Q2U series for this beautiful, crisp, clean audio quality. Um, I also want to mention we told the TV Guide story um, way back in early December when uh, a friend of the podcast, Megan Lundgren, came on uh, to talk about, uh, well, she's our holiday season correspondent, so all things holidays, and we did some palindromes as well. Uh, but I mentioned that I, using my Spirit Reward Miles, uh, bought a, uh, well, I didn't really have to buy it, received a free subscription of TV Guide for this year. I will say I haven't received the TV Guide yet. A little disappointing. Uh, starting to wonder if this whole thing was a scam orchestrated by Mr. Rock Chris. Unclear. But let's uh, let's get to 30 minutes in, get to what I'm actually talking about on the podcast here today. A uh, lot, of, lot of stuff to get through here, but everyone who knows me and some people who don't uh, know that I am a big movie buff. I spend a lot of time in the theater. I spend a lot of time at home watching movies. Um, one of my favorite things to do, one of uh, our culture's most powerful ways of expressing ideas, thoughts, themes, uh, stories, people, etc., um, so I don't have an official count on the number of movies I watched in 2018, but if I was if I was trying to be realistic, I would say I probably saw um, between theaters, flights, and my own viewing time at home, it was it was probably close to you know 70 or 80 movies that I saw in 2018. Uh, big fan. I started the year off with Movie Pass. Back in its glory days, we're talking nine ninety five a month, unlimited movies, one per day, no restrictions on new releases, no restrictions on anything. You just use it for whatever. See multiple or same movie multiple times, which I oh, excuse me took advantage of 
to see things like Shape of Water a couple times. I saw Lady Bird a couple times. Uh, Call Me By Your Name I saw thrice, I believe. So anyways, everything was going fine with that until you know what happens. Spring rolls around. Movie Pass runs out of money. Uh, I stuck around with him until it was like mid to late summer is when I finally jumped off the bandwagon. I cut Movie Pass. Um, actually, it wasn't until like early mid fall i think until i actually canceled but i wasn't using it very much um because they they changed their plan on you now i'm with uh cinema cinema uh and it's three movies a month ten dollars uh pretty easy pretty straightforward uh i used my three dollar or my three movies a month already for this cycle which ran from christmas eve to january 24th so next weekend uh i'll be able to start it again but it's three free no restrictions on anything ten dollars a month so each movie at my local theater is 11 bucks so i save um approximately 23 dollars a month if i max out the three movies which most months i will um so pretty good deal but anyways uh people had been asking me for a while um, what were my favorite movies of 2018 were. So I developed a list, which I share with some friends and family this past week, but now we're going to release it to the public. So this is Quinn's favorite movies of 2018. Um, these aren't the best movies of 2018, although some of them are pretty damn good. These were just the ones that I enjoyed the most. Uh, the order that I'm reading this in um, is not sorted by anything. It was just when I was I was I did this list off the top of my head. Um, and these were just the way they came to me. So I believe there's 17, 18, something like that in the list. At the very end, I'll give you my absolute top five favorite. Um, and I also have a list of other movies I liked but didn't quite make, like my this was my favorite of the year type of list. And then I have a long list of movies that I have high hopes for based off of what I've heard, reviews, um, pre- general premises, um, premises, I don't know, octopuses, octopi, yada, yada, yada. Uh, movies that I haven't seen yet but will be watching in the near future. So let's go ahead and get us started. I'm not going to spend a ton of time elaborating on each movie, just enough to give you a little taste, plot summary, etc. Uh, starting with American Animals, a movie that not a lot of people saw, uh, starring uh, Evan Peters, Barry Keegan, and Dowd. Um, and also, when I talk about the starring, it's not necessarily the order of people being billed in the movie. It's just a combination of how well I know specific actors and actresses from that cast and then just how well I think my listeners know. So I'm just highlighting it's not everybody who stars, who's top bill, et cetera, just people I know. Uh, American Animals is a uh, based on a true story about this art heist uh, in like 2002, uh, Transylvania U, which is in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, but it's basically these four college kids, um, and it's a really good commentary on uh, kind of white privilege a little bit, but also just like complacency, um, how our lives define what gives us meaning, what gives us purpose. Uh, but I, the best thing about this movie is um, if you've seen I, Tanya, you kind of know the pseudo-documentary style. They do this with American Animals, but they actually get the real guys who committed the crime uh, to, like, 
do interviews um and it's just really fascinating it was kind of a controversial movie some people thought um it was really cool that these guys um are finally getting their story told other people were like criticizing it because why should these guys get their story highlighted a bunch of punk white kids um white privileged college kids etc but i loved it i thought it was great not only is like the pseudo documentary style cool it's just a amazing uh story really well put together like heist type of uh movie good music cinematography acting was solid um all that stuff so yeah check it out american animals you won't be disappointed it's a very entertaining movie uh next the rider talking about or speaking of movies that not a lot of people saw the rider um there weren't any major actors in this and that's because they actually use real people like they use the main character and his actual dad i believe and his actual sister um, who has a disability to like play these roles so it's that's just like the first part of why this is so cool um but it's about a young rodeo star who suffers a really bad head injury while riding. Um, that sort of sets up the movie, and he endures a really long road to recovery. Um, it's another really good story. Um, it's a, it's totally a white story, but it's about white poverty, um, rural poverty specifically, and how we choose to respond uh, when our sort of like our go-to thing in life is like thrown out the window. Um, you think about you know if like if if you were trained in one specific area or you've invested all of your time all of your energy all your just everything into like one specific thing then all of a sudden and you're already you're still like just barely scraping by um in life and financially and then that one thing is taken away from you how are you going to um uh, respond so it's an amazing indie film i think like 17 people saw it but if you get the chance, if you're looking for a really good story, really good social commentary, um, and just maybe you're looking for a cowboy movie, The Rider, really good. Uh, one that a lot more people saw, Sorry to Bother You, another kind of controversial pick here, but um, Keith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Terry Crews, Danny Glover, uh, Stephen Yoon, Army Hammer, of course, the voices of Steve Buscemi, and... Uh, who is it? David Cross. That's right. Um, it's an absurd comedy, uh, kind of drama here and there, but more so comedy about a young African-American uh, kind of nobody who gets a telemarketer job, and he learns to adopt a white accent in order to succeed at his job. Um, he sort of climbs the ladder really quickly, and it gets him in a position where he has to balance uh, his identities between like this new corporate position and his old friends who are kind of bottom feeders. Um, really good race commentary is uh, the first movie by Boots Riley and kind of like Get Out from 2017. Uh, sorry to bother you in 2018. Just like a pretty amazing home run for a directorial debut. This movie is far from perfect, but it's pretty damn entertaining. Um, great race commentary, really good writing. Uh, I will say the third act, and I've seen the movie multiple times. The first time you watch it, the third act is going to throw you for an absolute loop, and you might be like upset, angry, disappointed. I know I walked out of the theater after seeing it the first time, and I was just like, 
man, I'm going to, I'm going to give this time to marinate and think about it, but that I really struggle with that third act. And I, to, to this day, you know, half a year after seeing it for the first time, I feel similarly, but just the overall emotional extreme of my initial, uh, response or the way it impacted me has been softened a bit. Um, so it, it's still a little out there. Um, it gets a little fantastical, a little bit too much for me. Um, but Army Hammer, one of my favorite actors, like he can go from his role in the social network, Winklevoss twins, absolute dicks to call me by your name, who is just like amazing you love this guy to back to dick person in sorry to bother you plays an amazing villain i love me some army hammer um check it out sorry to bother you let's keep moving ahead here first reformed paul schrader guy who uh has written a lot of scorsese movies raging bull um taxi driver gangs of new york maybe But uh, he directed this and wrote it, I think, I assume. It stars Ethan Hawke, Amanda Seyfried, and Cedric the Entertainer in a serious role. Uh, This is a uh, uh, drama, obviously. Uh, We've together complex faith, morality, uh, but also environmental and, of course, religious themes. Uh, It's set against the backdrop of um, this upstate New York church, like more of a... It's you know it's this tiny little church and it's more of like a tourist attraction, albeit a pretty lame one, than like an actual church. You know, there's like eight people coming to church on Sundays, um, etc. It's pretty abstract, um, and it can be kind of difficult to understand everything on the first watch. And it definitely doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. Kind of like sorry to bother you. In the third act, it gets really. Um, not not quite as absurd as Sorry to Bother You does, but very much like it takes the world that was built in the first kind of half of the movie and it just kind of, it doesn't disregard it because it's still set in that world, but it really changes it quite a bit and just everything gets a little distorted and it definitely didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And again, uh, complex themes. This is one you'll watch and you'll think like, I don't know if that was a really good movie or if it was actually kind of shitty, but I think the more you mar- let it marinate, um, I think the more you'll appreciate it. So, And I, I will watch anything with Ethan Hawke, one of my favorite actors. That guy's going to get an Oscar one of these days. It's not going to be for this role, um, partially because A24 just chose to release it in like May, I think is when it came out, or June. Um, and I don't know. It's like... I don't know a ton about film production or release dates or release rights, all that stuff, but it is always kind of interesting to me when you have movies and first reformed is a, is a great example of that where it's like, I really feel like if this came out in December, like it's got a great chance of, um, maybe best picture, maybe best director, um, maybe best original screenplay, but like definitely best actor. And now Ethan Hawke is like, fringe best actor potential nomination when he was great in this role so we'll see what happens there um next one oh boy very excited mission impossible fallout so the sixth one in the series it's got everybody tom cruise henry cavill uh ving rames simon Pegg, rebecca ferguson sean harris comes back for this one angela bassett michelle monahan is back uh vanessa kirby and of course alec baldwin 
This is the only blockbuster I have on the list. Um, this movie was fascinating because we all went in um, kind of thinking we knew what we were going to get. So one's the classic. Two is still solid, but just kind of like didn't have a ton of identity. Three was sort of a comeback, um, but also kind of an individual movie in its own right. And it was really good because it finally had a, not finally, number one had John Voight, but Philip Seymour Hoffman was so good as the villain in number three. Number four was like the official, okay, Mission Impossible is back. This is awesome. The Burj Khalifa sequence, classic. Um, And then number five, Rogue Nation, was interesting because it was also really good, but kind of just like a, not a repeat, but very similar style formula to number four, which you don't blame because four was such like a, we're back, this is a big franchise again type of thing. So it made sense that number five was just going to kind of um, try to repeat. But six is fascinating because it's the first movie in the series that's like an actual sequel to the previous movie so sean harris comes back um and i think we all just went in kind of being like okay it's probably going to be good but i think we know what to expect from mission impossible at this point probably going to be similar to four and five because that's the formula of mission impossible now mission impossible fallout is one of the greatest action movies of all time and probably the best action movie that's been made since Mad Max Fury Road. This thing was just like everything you thought you could get out of a Mission Impossible movie and out of Tom Cruise, they just upped the ante again. Like, unbelievably. Uh, the famous thing from the production and the filming was Tom Cruise, of course, breaking his ankle on a shot. They use it in the movie. Like... They use that sequence, that actual shot. Um, there are two sequences beyond that that are some of the most spectacular things I've ever seen in a movie. The halo jump, high altitude, low opening. And you watch like the actual behind-the-scenes stuff. And it, it's, there's no CGI. This isn't Star Wars Attack of the Clones where the whole movie was shot on a green screen. Um, this is like, holy crap. Tom Cruise and a stunt actor and a cameraman jumped out of a plane at whatever, like 25, 30,000 feet and filmed this drop. Like, are you, are you are you kidding me? That's not supposed to happen. And then the helicopter chase. Um, and I won't really say anything about it cause it, it gives away important plot points, but the helicopter chase is just like Tom Cruise effing learned how to fly a helicopter just for this chase and it's like an actual like it, it actually happened. It's I'm I can't, I'm at a loss for words. In case you couldn't tell, um, two of the greatest things: the halo jump and the helicopter scene I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, just unbelievable. You might think I've seen Mission Impossible. I get it. Another popcorn action movie. Absolutely not. You have to watch it. It's is amazing. Let's move on. Eighth grade, uh, Elsie Fisher, directed by Bo Burnham, of course. Another movie that came out in the summer that got some decent just overall like attention slash coverage, but probably not as much as it should have gotten. Uh, it's a really important movie about the current like social media-inspired life of young teenagers, almost uh, not in any like story way, sequel to Social Network, but a really good... like 
if you watch those two movies back to back, that would be perfect. Um, so, you know, eighth grade, it's what you expect going through puberty uh, and the social media and digital age. Um, I'm not, I wasn't always not, wasn't always, I'm not a huge fan um, of a lot of Bo Burnham's stand-up or his like comedy bits or videos, but uh, he did a really good job with this one. Really good writing. Um, it's not the type of movie that you know has much of a plot. It's just it's what you'd expect. Um, but it's a movie that is sorely needed, not just for like teens and young people to go and find you know, and not to it to identify with what's happening on screen, but for like people of all ages to go see it and just understand how social media comes into uh, our lives, messes with it, how easily it impacts just our entire well-being, our emotions, mental health, etc. So check it out, eighth grade. You won't be disappointed. Uh, beautiful boy. Really tough one to watch. Timothy Chalamet, Steve Carell, Maura Tierney, and Amy Ryan. Uh, similar to a lot of the other movies on this list, uh, touches on some themes that are really important in 2018, 2019 that haven't gotten a ton of uh, media representation. So it's great that we're finally getting films about these important issues. Uh, if you don't know right now, or excuse me, if you don't know by now, Beautiful Boy is about um, opioid <clears throat> can't speak opioid crisis, drug addiction in general. Another movie about white um, America, sort of lower middle class, but um, based on two true memoirs written by Nick Chef and his dad David Chef, is it I think? But um, of course, it's Steve Carell, Timothy Chalamet, father son. That's enough for hopefully anyone to see a movie right there. Really good acting, but um, yeah, just really tough to watch at times as you would expect a movie about drug addiction to be. But uh, yeah, Timothy Chalamet was able to follow up Call Me By Your Name with another really strong performance. So this kid is definitely not just a one-hit wonder, uh, although he was pretty good in in, uh, Lady Bird as well. But Beautiful Boy, great movie about drug addiction. true as well boy erased another true memoir this is directed by joel edgerton uh he stars in it uh, of course lucas hedges nicole kidman russell crowe uh troy Sivan, um who i didn't know much about before watching this movie but i've listened to some of his, his music and i i kind of like this kid um flea is in it as well and i didn't know going into the movie that flea was going to be in it until i actually saw him show up and i was like i was sitting next to my brother and i was like that's Flea, um, who's done some acting, but not a ton. Um, if Another story that I think most people know about now, by now, but Boy Erased is about conversion therapy. It takes place in um, Arkansas, I believe is where it's set. Um, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, like down in that part of the country that's not technically the South, but basically the south um but it's also of course based on a true story a really good glimpse into uh conversion therapy they do a good job of um kind of staying true to what it was actually like um yeah it's a really another like beautiful boy kind of hard to watch movie that's going to make you really upset at times um 
not necessarily a feel-good movie, but it does end on a happier note than a lot of um, these sort of sad, melancholy movies from 2018. Uh, next, the favorite one that, of course, everyone's talking about, Jorgos Lanthimos, um, Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weiss, Emma Stone. That is a powerhouse of acting right there. Um, I still... <laughs> I still don't know exactly how I feel about Lanthimos and apologies if I'm not pronouncing his name right. He's a Greek director, but he's done things like Dog Tooth, which is a movie I had to watch for a college film philosophy class. If you don't know, just watch the trailer. Um, that will give you like 10% of the intensity of the movie. It's a movie I'm not going to watch again. Um, it's too much for me. I also did The Lobster, which I think is more well-known than Dogtooth. Uh, John C. Riley, Colin Farrell. Uh, who else is in that movie? I don't remember. Somebody else famous. But um, this is the favorite. This is by far his most tame uh, movie in that it thankfully just takes on different themes than what he usually takes on. So there's nothing about it that's like super disturbing to watch it's uh period comedy drama sort um it's all about power struggle and that's pretty much what it is um but of course when you have three amazing actresses like that they i I could watch anything with any of those three actresses um it's not plot oriented it's kind of slow it's mostly in the dialogue but um society power cattiness really good music too and i'm a little bit biased because the movie ends with the second movement from schubert's um sonata in b flat major is one of the last three that he wrote i believe uh but this is a slow movement it plays over like the last eight minutes um on repeat of the movie and then the credits like total really deep cut from Elton John Skyline Pigeon and the harpsichord version which you have to like dig to find uh I remember hearing it when I, I saw this movie like a month ago but I remember hearing it when this credit started playing I was like holy crap like I didn't know anybody else in the world had ever even heard of this song Skyline Pigeon very early Elton John not a movie that many people know about um <clears throat> a song that many people know about the but the favorite potential best picture we'll see uh, Leave No Trace, a movie that I just got to show my friend uh, Meg Lundgren, our holiday season correspondent, on Friday night. She had never seen it. Ben Foster, one of my favorite uh, underrated actors. Thompson McKenzie, sort of trying to do a little Jennifer Lawrence uh, Winter's Bone action here. Maybe she's getting discovered. Uh, Dale Dickey, of course, scariest looking actress in Hollywood. Uh, she knows it. Hard to believe um, that this was Deborah Granick's first movie since Winter's Bone. It feels like Jennifer Lawrence has had like a whole career since that came out, which she has. Uh, but this is Deborah Granick's first movie since then. Um, if you liked Winter's Bone, uh, you will probably like Leave No Trace. Similar cinematography, uh, very similar kind of uh, simple, there's nothing flashy about this movie, uh, but it's going to take on really important themes. Um, white poverty in the 21st century, again, um, this time has PTSD thrown in. Uh, another really important theme that doesn't get as much 
media attention um, or just a spotlight as it should. But Ben Foster and Thompson McKenzie, like the chemistry between this two, these two was like sh- shockingly good. Um, I didn't know Ben Foster had these acting chops in him. Um, it's a really sad movie. If you are looking for something with like any positivity um, or anything that's going to make you like feel more hopeful about the world, don't go see Leave No Trace. But it's a really important story. Super sad. Um, it's worth noting that Leave No Trace is the second most reviewed film uh, to hold an approval rating of 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Number one is Paddington 2. Enough said. Uh, <clears throat> popular vote one here if Beale Street could talk, one that everyone knows about. Stephen James. I don't know if it's Stephen or Stefan. I don't know. I think it's Stephen. Uh, Kiki Lane, of course, Regina King, among some others. James Baldwin, novel made into a movie, can do no wrong. Um, there might have, I'm, I'm sure there have been other Baldwin novels made into movies, but nothing quite like this mainstream. Uh, Barry Jenkins who directed Moonlight, won Best Picture, of course. <clears throat> it was very good. Um, takes on, it's not like the traditional James Baldwin um, novel themes, because when I, and maybe, I don't know, depends on who you ask. When I think of James Baldwin, of course, set against African-American backdrop, but I think, I'm thinking more of like Harlem. Uh, sure, there's, you know, racial tension thrown in, but more like bisexual, um, literary musicians, poets, that sort of thing. This one doesn't really tackle the um, sexuality aspect at all, um, nor does it really tackle like the artist's life. Um, it's much more of just a pure um, race movie. But that doesn't diminish in any way. Um, if you thought, you know, race relations in the U.S., even in like a very cosmopolitan city like New York got better, you know, after MLK, Malcolm X, uh, watch this. <clears throat> it's a story that needs to be told. It's set in the early seventies, I think Harlem, um, classic Baldwin stuff. It's great. If Beale street could talk, um, uh, moving on here, mountain, uh, I won't spend a ton of time talking about this one, but I do just want to mention it. I saw this on a whim back when I saw movie pass, with like no clue of what was going on or what was going to be going on um it's it's not really a movie it's more of an art piece it, it's kind of a documentary but not like a pure documentary um it's there's a narration by Willem Dafoe that plays over like this is it's like a 1 hour movie and it's just like video footage from planes drones helicopters of mountains and then people doing like mountain related activities, rock climbing, skiing, snowboarding, mountain biking, freestyle, etc. But it's so cool because there's this symphony that plays over the whole thing and then a Willem Dafoe narration, but it's not like in this mountain is in this region. And here you can see the skiers. It's like he's reading a poem, and I'm not sure who wrote it, but it's absolutely beautiful. And it's just like an hour long art piece. And it's just like it's really cool. I don't know. If you're just looking for something different, um, but really visually stunning um, to watch, absolutely check this out. It's just called Mountain. 
It's very simple, but I loved it. I thought it was very well done. Mid-90s, uh, Jonah Hill wrote it, directed it. Sonny Soljet, Catherine Waterston, and Lucas Hedges plays the dick older brother. Um, very, uh, to me, reminiscent style-wise of Florida Project in that this is sort of just a slice of life. There's no big plot. There's no big culminating climactic event. It's just kind of, again, white poverty. Um, not rural. It takes place in uh, L.A., but not like downtown Hollywood, like far out um, skateboarder scene, not a ton going on. Kind of looks like um, Florida Project a little bit. But um, it's just sort of an autobiographical Jonah Hill thing about growing up in the early mid-90s, finding your community, what to do when like your mom's checked out and she works full-time, your older brother's a dick and bullies you, like who are you going to turn to for your community? Um, really good nostalgic uh, coming of age film. Um, one, one here that I really um, want to promote strongly that not a ton of people heard of or have seen. You were never really here. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix stars. Um, this is kind of like John Wick mixed with Taken, mixed with Joaquin Phoenix, mixed with PTSD. So the second movie on this list dealing with PTSD. It's really violent. Um, very intense and it's short it's 90 minutes um, but it's basically just Joaquin Phoenix and this girl he rescues um, basically taking on the world Uh, really gory a lot of blood a lot of death Um, it doesn't give you a chance to breathe so kind of like the opposite of mountain if if you're watching mountain you're just like relaxed like chill this is a nice movie. I'm just having a good time. You Were Never Really Here is the exact opposite of that. It's action thriller, like a hitman thriller, um, but one of the best I've seen in a while. Fantastic action, rivals John Wick in that remark. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix, of course, fantastic actor, um, and the PTSD kind of filter throws on a whole new <clears throat> um, just kind of direction to this otherwise somewhat traditional story so that's great uh annihilation a uh, movie that i think is like starting to get more attention uh but again came out this summer natalie portman jennifer jason lee gina rodriguez Ten- uh, tessa thompson and oscar isaac is in it um on its surface it seems a little bit just like a throwaway sci-fi horror kind of like post-apocalyptic thriller movie um it's <laughs> I, I think a lot of what people assumed it was was just kind of resting on its laurels of the originality of, like, the all-female cast, um, like if the Ghostbusters remake was any good. But uh, you you pretty quickly learn that it's, like, way more than just After Earth with female characters. Uh, don't see After Earth, Will Smith, Jane Smith, terrible movie. Um but it gets really philosophical really fast and in a way I had no idea was coming. Like I thought it was just going to be like a sci-fi horror monster thriller movie. It turns out to be like a movie you would watch in a college philosophy f- uh, film class, film philosophy class. So um, kind of like First Reformed, you probably don't get all of it 
just by watching it one time. Um, but it's pretty deep. And it's the type of movie that's great because there are so many interpretations of what's going on and what it means. So watch Annihilation. Really good movie. Um, we are almost done here, I promise. Whew, long episode. One of my longest. Uh, Thoroughbreds. Olivia Cook. Oh, my dream. Ah, I love Olivia Cook. What an absolute cutie. Anna Taylor-Joy. Anton Yelchin. Last movie um, before he passed, of course, the Star Trek um, character. That's probably what this movie will be best remembered as. Um, but it's kind of like American Psycho. But instead of Christian Bale, it's Olivia Cook and Anna, Anna Taylor-Joy. White Suburbia, that that backdrop is very important to just the overall movie. Um, sometimes in the movie it's really funny. Other times it's like extremely unsettling and disturbing, kind of like American Psycho. Um, the chemistry between um, the two female actresses is pretty good. Um, that's probably the best part about it. But uh, again, kind of just like a short little slice of life, but more not like real, like Florida Project or mid-90s, much more um, kind of like if you ever had a dick father and you just have like these fantasies of doing something about it, but then you actually see it played out almost like a dream on on the screen. Here you go, thoroughbreds. Or like if you have ever had like a dick boss or anything, um, here you go, thoroughbreds. It's pretty good. The last one on my list, The Death of Stalin, a movie that everybody has to see. Um, Steve Buscemi, Simon Russell Beale, Rupert Friend, Michael Palin, Jeffrey Tambor is really good in this. Um, this is one of the strangest yet funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, it takes a real historical event, the power struggle following the titular, what a fun word, titular, the death of Joseph Stalin in 53. And it it's just all of these comedians and actors um, who play these real-life people, uh, like Bishemi is Khrushchev, but they don't use accents or anything they just talk in their normal voices um and the the dialogue between these actors these comedians is a lot of it is improvised and it's just like some of the funniest stuff set against the backdrop of this like terrifying communist regime and there are parts of this movie that are pretty violent um but most of it is just like this ridiculously funny dialogue between these leading men. Um, a really good movie that you're not sure like from one scene to the next, is this scene going to be like death and terror or is it going to be like really funny and a good dialogue? So I, it's hard to even describe, not to mention I saw it in like this time last year. Um, but go see The Death of Stalin if you're looking for a really smart comedy. This is probably, let's see, I'm looking at my list now. Do I even have any other like pure comedies on here? I don't. That's the only one. Um, yeah, go check it out. I guess sorry to bother you. It was kind of a comedy. But, uh, okay, so that's, that's the list. Um, I also want to give a quick shout-out to Minding the Gap, which I hadn't seen when I made this list a little over a week ago. It's a documentary about Rockford. Um, and follows 
couple of kids who are growing up. Um, it interweaves themes of, well, what you'd expect from Rockford. So Rust Town, Blue Belt, um, the jobs are disappearing, but also poverty, um, drugs for sure. And then it has a really interesting uh, discussion about domestic violence as well. Um, the type of movie that everyone has to see. It, it doesn't, I want to be careful what I say here. It's not about humanizing domestic violence, but it, it does, or okay, I'll say this. It, it's not justifying domestic violence, but it does humanize it, um, which I think is an important distinction. Um, hopefully, I'm really hoping, hope, excuse me, really hoping that this one makes it into the five um, nominated for Best Documentary. It's not going to win because it's either going to be RBG or um, Will You Be My Neighbor or Won't You Be My Neighbor, but this was a good one, uh, especially being from the Midwest, being from the town that this documentary is about. Fascinating. So Mining the Gap, check it out. Really good. Um, so before I give my, like, actual top five, here are other films that I liked, but... Just didn't quite make my review. Um, A Quiet Place, Black Panther, Incredibles 2, Disobedience, another Rachel Weisz movie, uh, Isle of Dogs, A Simple Favor, Hereditary, and A Star is Born. Here are the movies I haven't gotten to see yet but will soon. Um, and there are some like big ones on here that you'll notice that I just didn't get a chance to see when it was in theaters, so I apologize for that because... Sure, some of these movies are fantastic. Uh, Black Klansman is probably the big one. The Old Man and the Gun, Robert Redford. Roma, could watch any time it's on Netflix. Um, Can You Ever Forgive Me, the Melissa McCarthy one. Um, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers, also on Netflix. The Mule, Clint Eastwood's movie, Mining the Gap, was on this list. Now I've seen it. The Hate You Give, really good. The Wife, Glenn Close, could potentially win an Oscar at Eternity's Gate, was... um, the uh Willem Dafoe playing what's his face, the painter. Uh Blind Spotting. Another movie that when I not another. I saw a trailer for this and I was like, mm, this I don't think this is gonna quite be that good. And the reviews were so good and I never got the chance to see it. Um Widows, a movie that I feel like there's a lot of like trailer action for, and then it came out and no one said anything about it. I'm not sure if it's actually good. I'll have to read about it. Um, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, a total indie movie that, like, didn't do anything or attract any attention. But it's Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, and Jack Black. Like, and maybe Rooney Mara. I don't remember if she's in it. Um, Similarly, The Sisters Brothers, uh, or The Brothers Sisters. Sisters Brothers, I think, um, which is John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix had a fascinating year because he was in the Sisters Brothers. He was in Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. And he was in Can You Ever For... Not Can You Ever Forgive Me. He was not in that. He was in You Were Never Really Here. Three movies that I was all really excited about and three movies that just, like, no one cared about when they came out. Kind of interesting. Um, White Boy Rick which was uh, Matthew McConaughey. And I really want to see this because they just pulled this kid from Dundalk High who is not a professional actor to like play this big-time role um, in a major movie. And I don't know. That's enough for me to want to see it. I'll also see anything with Matthew McConaughey. Um, First Man is another big one I didn't get to see, um, although I don't love 
Ryan Gosling. Creed 2, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Into the Spider-Verse, which I'm excited to see at some point. But my actual top five favorite movies from 2018, here you go. You waited an hour and 12 minutes for me to get here. Um, This is in order. Number one, Mission Impossible Fallout. It's just, it was so good. And I'm not usually a sucker for action movies. This one was just completely different. It's amazing. That's all I have to say. Number two, American Animals. Again, controversial movie that I loved. I thought it was fantastic. Number three, Leave No Trace. Saddest movie on the list. Ben Foster, Thompson McKenzie. Amazing. Uh, Number four, The Death of Stalin. Really funny comedy. Really funny. Uh, Number five, Sorry to Bother You. Um, Again, the Boots Riley film. This one was tough because, again, I still have problems with the third act. I don't love it. But it was just such an original concept, and the acting was so fun that I had to put it on my list because I want people to see it. Um, Two honorable mentions. Uh, You were never really here, partially just because I feel like no one's seen that movie, and it was so well done. And then also First Reformed. Pretty out there. Uh, third act, but Ethan Hawke, Amanda Seyfried, Cedric the Entertainer, really good themes, really important movie to see. Um, so yeah, there you have it. I've been talking a lot. I'm out of energy. I'm out of breath. I got to hydrate. Um, yeah, we covered a lot of ground on this podcast. This was a lengthy episode. We uh, talked about donor tears. We read a letter from Mr. Rock Chris, who is maybe Chris Rock. Uh, And then we talked a lot about movies. Um, Again, this was not our Oscars special. We'll get to that next month at some point. Try to get Ryan Austin Lincoln back on the podcast, make some predictions. But, uh, yeah, so if you ever wanted to know what I thought about 2018 movies, there's a little uh, snippet. I could talk for another five hours, but um, we will leave it at that. So um, as a reminder... If you uh, have any thoughts, comments, grievances, concerns, expletives, let us know. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter at BeantownCast. Email BeantownPodcastYahoo.com. That's Beantown, B-E-A-N-T, podcast at Yahoo.com. We are on Google uh, Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, SoundCloud. Not on CastBox yet because I have to manually do that. I don't really want to. Um... YouTube, other places, wherever you listen to your podcasts, unless we are somewhere where your podcasts uh, or where my podcast is not, you can find us there. Um, thank you to everyone who has already supported us through the Pledge Drive fundraiser. Again, we're looking to do $235 for 2019. We got the donor tiers at the beginning of this episode. Um, thank you to our uh, sponsor, Home Pride Oregon. And uh, I think that's about all I've got to say. Hour 15 of my life spent doing this. So happy Sunday. Happy three-day weekend. Uh, <clears throat> enjoy your MLK Day. Rest in peace, Dr. King. And I think that's about all I got for you. So this has been Quinn David Furness coming to you live from 817 St. Paul Street with the Bean Tom Podcast, the People's Podcast, one of Baltimore City's top 500 podcasts. Don't forget to use the hashtag friends of the podcast when you are talking about us on social media so for the bean town podcast this is quinn david furnace 
signing off, everyone. Have a fun, safe week, and we will check in on you next time.